Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. Today we'll bring you the latest on news at Manchester United, Barcelona, Arsenal, Inter Milan, Spurs, because you know that's what we do. I'm Ian McGarry and with me as always is transfer guru Duncan Castles. We start at Old Trafford where it has to be said fans, especially uh, on social media, have been venting their impatience with the lack of business being done at the Old Trafford Club. It seems that United, affected by the pandemic, have been much more careful, let's just say, than some of their rivals in terms of strengthening the squad. And uh, Duncan, you reported already this week about Alex Tellez, uh, the left-back, who uh, seems to be very much wanted by United, but United don't seem to want to pay the price that's being asked of them. And now... (laughs) The player himself has now asked for a discount on himself. I'm not sure who that is. Is that, is that, the, is that the epitome of selling yourself short? <laughs> Complex situation for Porto, I think. Um, Tellez has just one year of contract left at FC Porto. They need the money from this sale. They know if they don't get him out this window, they effectively will lose him for free in the summer. And he isn't aware of that. The people representing him. Um, are aware of that and I think are now using that to place pressure on Porto. Um, he's told them this week that he is prepared to stay um, and happy to run his contract down if they price him out of a move to one of several clubs who are looking for him. And this is the, the difficult part for Manchester United. Although they will certainly not have to pay the €40 million Euro release clause. Porto have not been looking for that at any point. They had priced them at 25 million euros. Um, the pricing was had come down to 20 million euros. They say that the offer um, they've had from Manchester United is below that 20 million figure and they're not prepared to pay. Um, they are aware of interest from two other um, top European clubs in that Sevilla are looking for a left back having lost, of course, Sergio Regulon um, going back to Madrid from the year loan he'd had at Sevilla and then being sold to Tottenham um, on essentially a a deal that will probably see Regulon go back to Madrid in two years' time with uh, Madrid using a low-cost buyback in that deal. But Sevilla need a left-back. Tellez is very similar to Regulon and is a high-quality attacking left-back who provides... Um, a lot of goals, uh, both himself, but also creating for for teammates. And if you talk to people in Portugal, they'll say he's actually a better defender than Regulon. Um, Sevilla also have cash in this market. So unlike a lot of the Spanish clubs, they do have money available to do a deal there. And he's within uh, the bounds in terms of budget of the players they could go for. 
he himself is looking for wages, I'm told, of €4 million Euros net. Um, again, something that would be certainly be achievable at Manchester United and, and possible um, at Sevilla, although a bit harder for them. The other big club who have expressed an interest in Tellers is Juventus. Again, a team who need a left back, um, who've wanted to upgrade in that area. They have an in injury to Alexandro at present, um, a player who they've been trying to sell for some time. In fact, a player that Manchester United looked quite seriously at and who Jose Mourinho was interested in bringing to Old Trafford when he was manager there. Um, they've had to bring in a young Italian player, Gianluca Frabotta, um, for the start of the season. He's actually done well and they've um, made moves to upgrade his contract. So perhaps the priority level of signing a left back has declined at Juventus, but I'm told there's still an interest there. Porto obviously want an auction um, and want to try and get that 20 million euros if possible and it would help them if they can get more more than one of these clubs to bid um so yeah it looks like a deal will be done um given the way the player is is placing pressure on porto and given that they need money but i don't think it's necessarily as easy a deal for manchester united to do as it had looked um because they can't just say well we're only going to give you this amount of money if you need to sell him this summer, that's what you've got. Otherwise, you lose them for nothing because there's the risk there that Sevilla, who obviously would be an easier place for Tellez um, to move to Spanish football, being closer to Portuguese football, um, the language being easier for that switch, um, are an alternative option for him. And Juventus, I think, have a, a higher status in the game at present and, uh, and a much higher chance of winning silverware if you were to move there rather than Manchester United. Well, we have um, told you on the Transfer Window podcast of Barcelona's economic dire state and the fact that they need to shed not just players uh, to sell, but also uh, some of their incredible wage bill as well. Duncan has kept us abreast of uh, the various um, different uh, manner of moves that have been made for Usman Dembele. And Duncan, you can update us as well now, can't you, on uh, what Dembele's current status is with just uh, nine days left in the window open. Yeah, we reported on Tuesday about Dembele and Manchester United's interest in Dembele, that there had been direct contact from Manchester United uh, with Barcelona to ask if he would be available on loan in this window. Um, Ed Woodward, I'm told, involved in calling Barcelona to uh, find out what their, their position was on letting Dembele go on loan because everyone knows that Barcelona have to shift a lot of wage bill out of um, their books to adhere to La Liga regulations and, uh, and a number of clubs trying to take advantage of it, not just with Dembele but with other players who we'll talk about later in the podcast. Um, the answer as we said on Tuesday from Barcelona, was no, not available for loan. But um, if you're prepared to buy the player, um, we can talk about it. And the, the fee they have uh, priced Dembele at is 100 million euros, which is an amount, incidentally, that Barca want to secure in these last um, couple of weeks of the window um, from whatever sales they can. If they can get it from one player, all the better. If they have to spread it across several players, then they, they will do that. But that's the target 
number they're looking at. Dembele, as we said in the podcast, reluctant. Um, had been basically saying, no, I don't want to leave Barcelona, not keen on the move uh, to Manchester United. Subsequent to that, I'm told there has been contact between Manchester United and Dembele's agent. Um, in that discussion, uh, I'm told that Dembele's agent requested uh, what was described as Mino Raiola level commission to make the deal happen. Um, so that obviously is another problem for United and another factor um, that makes the deal less likely because this has always been a alternative to Jadon Sancho. Um, if they can't get that deal over the line, you go for you know, a very highly rated player, as we said, of similar type to Sancho in terms of speed and uh, unpredictability and, and creativity on the pitch. Plays the same area of the field, right wing. Um, United are basically looking for a relatively cheap solution to taking advantage of Barcelona's um, problems to do that. But they have a player who's reluctant to move and they have an agent who's saying, well, if you want this deal to happen, it's going to take a lot of money um, in commission and obviously on wages for the player. So um, I think that, that's stalled there, is my understanding. The, the people involved say it's not impossible that uh, Manchester United come back um, should Sancho not happen, but it's become more complicated. And I think it also explains why, when asked about this, um, both Barcelona and Manchester United have briefed off the record that there are no talks between the club. Um, discussing that with people involved, they say, look, Dembele is a very talented player. The squad know he's a talented player. Um, what you have at Barcelona at present is an extremely angry dressing room for multiple reasons, a confused dressing room. Um, we can talk about what happened with Lionel Messi. That has obviously not helped matters for um, Ronald Koeman and for the president, Josep Maria Bartomeu. Um, they don't want to look like they're trying to sell Dembele, particularly after Koeman has come in and told Dembele he's a player he counts on and an important part of the squad. So in, from Barcelona's point of view, they only want this to come public if something is going to happen. Same, similar story for Manchester United. Um, they have made it clear that Jadon Sancho is their priority deal. The, the player they've spent a lot of time setting up um, a, a deal for in terms of agreeing personal terms, agreeing agents' fees, putting a structure in place to do something with Borussia Dortmund. To be seen to be working on a deal for Dembele at this stage of the window is not a good look for Manchester United when they are under severe pressure from their supporters. Something we talked about in detail on Tuesday's podcast, if you want to go back and, and listen to that. And Ian, I think you have an update on, on where they are with Jaden Sancho um, in terms of getting that priority signing in. Yeah, the situation hasn't changed very much, Duncan, from weeks ago um, when we reported that both a fee and uh, wages and contract had been agreed. Um, it was the structure of how that fee will be paid, which has caused a delay in any transfer actually happening. But I'm told from uh, people involved in the negotiation on the side of Manchester United that they remain calm, they remain confident, 
that Sancho will still be a Manchester United player. They also are convinced that uh, Borussia Dortmund will eventually agree to a deal which is suitable to both parties or all three parties when you count the player as well uh, because they do not believe that they will be able to realise the value of the player uh, any higher if they leave it another year um, and continue uh, this stance whereby there's this, you know, let's see who blinks first type policy. I think that's one of the reasons, and I'm told it's one of the reasons why we haven't seen any other player signed. Because let's face it, if you're Manchester United, you have the resources. Okay, you don't quite have the reputation that you once possessed, but you have the history and tradition on your side. Uh, and you have the wherewithal to acquire a player to play in that right-sided attacking midfield position. But still, United haven't signed anyone. Now, we saw how poor and uncreative United were in their defeat to Crystal Palace last weekend. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I'm told, has not been a happy man uh, during training this week at Carrington because he does feel the heat of the fans and, of course, the pressure he puts on himself with regards to results and wants this to be concluded as quickly as possible. However, every time he asks the question of members of the board and certainly the recruitment department, who he speaks to obviously several times a day, the response is, it's all under control, just wait. So, waiting game for Solskjaer. Um, perhaps uh, he can use that to his advantage because if uh, he gets a couple of negative results before they complete their business, then he can point to the fact that he was told you have to wait because we're not going to rush in and just pay simply over the odds for the sake of it. So yes, I think Sancho remains very much on the table, Duncan, remains very much uh, likely to happen. But of course, you need three parties in agreement. At this moment in time, you only have two, and that's United and the player himself, his representatives. They need Dortmund to agree to the payment structure which United have uh, set out. Now, interestingly, uh, there is a financial reason for that as well, and that is that uh, United will be releasing quarter results, which will include the entirety of the pandemic uh, so far, uh, because the first one only included from January to March. But of course, the match to revenue at Old Trafford is huge in terms of liquidity of the club itself. Now, they have to achieve a certain profit level in order to um, satisfy covenants that they have with regards to payments that um, investors have made. Um, and that there's a percentage profit margin, which they have to maintain in order for those covenants to still be uh, worth what at least, at least the investors paid. Uh, because these guys did not come in and invest millions and millions of pounds to see their investment drop and don't understand or will not tolerate that being the case. So. I think that's why the waiting game is being played. I think that's why the fee structure is important because on the books, if the instalment period over five years, which United have proposed, is accepted by Dortmund, then that will keep the books pretty much balanced. So that's where we are with uh, Jaden Sancho. Going back to Barcelona, Duncan, and this almost fire sale-like situation that they find themselves in, uh, it is our understanding that Arsenal have been in quite detailed talks with the club and with Philippe Coutinho's agent regarding a season-long loan 
Is our understanding that that would include an €8 million Euro loan fee plus 100% of the players' wages, Arsenal are not prepared to subsidise, which can also be a um, commonplace thing to do in such deals, but not with Barcelona at the moment because of their financial difficulties. So the entire investment would be worth around €20 million Euros over one season. But Duncan, you believe that there is a complication regarding an obligation to buy clause, is that correct? Yeah, it goes back to this desire on Barcelona's part to raise 100 million euros. So Coutinho is one of the players they feel that they can shift out and there, there will be an interest. But um, they want it done. If they're, if they're going to let the player leave on loan, they want an obligation to buy involved in the deal for a significant amount of money. And the, the figure that I'm hearing is 80 million euros would be what they'd look for as an obligation to buy on Coutinho. Now, whether they can hold to this when it gets down to the wire is a completely different matter because they, as I say, they're under severe financial pressure. They managed to get Luis Suarez out the door um, to Atletico Madrid, but essentially for nothing, there are some uh, performance-related bonuses in the contract, but the initial transfer fee is zero being paid by Atletico. They're trying to shift players like um, Junior Firpo, uh, you know, highly rated left back, who earlier in the window they were saying there's no way we will let this player leave on loan, and now they are negotiating potential loan deals. Um, they have their centre back uh, Jean Claire Tadibo, who I think they might be able to raise a transfer fee of around 20 million euros for, and there's a possibility that uh, a Premier League club will take the chance on Tadebo, who's looked exceptional at times at um, at Barcelona, very quick and um, and decisive in the tackle. But when he makes mistakes, he makes big mistakes. And there's real questions about his focus um, on the field at times and, and off the field as well. So it would be a gamble um, for a club taking him. I think in general, the three big Spanish clubs have got a very difficult final period coming up because they all have to strip money off their wage bills. Um, they all have to do it quickly. They are all hoping that they can get some substantial fees for particular players who are highly rated, but there's a marketplace out there that knows that they need to shift those players. So I think we're going to see a lot of activity right at the end of the window. Um, where Barcelona, Atletico and Real Madrid are being presented with deals of, you know, we'll take your player and we'll take the wages off your books. But if you don't have anything else, this is the only option you've got. Um, you better shift them to us. And that, um, you know, situation with Atletico uh, and Arsenal um, and uh, Arsenal's interest in Thomas Partey and the, the offer of um, Lucas uh, Torreira in part exchange or on a, on a loan to um, Atletico uh, related to that deal I think is is relevant here. Um, people who know Atletico say that they are in a position where they're going to have to sell either Partey or um, Jose Jimenez, the centre-back who Manchester City are interested in did ask about his transfer fee earlier in the window. Uh, the uh, Atletico president said um, recently that they received an offer for Jimenez, 
Um, we said Jimenez is a magnificent player and we are interested in having magnificent players in the team. City have briefed that the offer did not come from them. So um, it looks like there's been no formal offer from City, even though there is an interest in him. Um, the problem, I think, for Atletico, or an additional problem for Atletico, is that Thomas Partey and Jimenez are both players that the coach, Diego Simeone, really likes and would like to retain in an ideal world. So they're probably going to have to put a proposition to Simeone at the end of the window. Which one are you prepared to let go? Because we're going to likely need to sell one of these two players to raise the money we need um, to satisfy La Liga's uh, financial demands for the season. And we have been uh, told here at the transfer window that Partey's uh, preference is to move to Arsenal. The problem they have right now is with Lucas Torreira and persuading him to go as part of the deal because uh, while Atletico, Barcelona are in big financial difficulties, Arsenal, as we know themselves, um, are having to cut their co uh, cloth accordingly. And Torreira would significantly uh, help if he would move to Madrid uh, to join Atletico uh, in the sense that it would certainly reduce the transfer fee for party and also get him off the wage bill as well. Personally, Duncan, I'm looking forward to Thomas Partey coming just for the headline benefits. I mean, when did we last have a player called Partey in the Premier League? Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, so please send your Partey puns to at Transfer Podcast on our Twitter, Instagram and Facebook accounts if you want to get involved in the Partey. We're going to turn our attention now to Tottenham Hotspur, who, interestingly, have been much bigger movers in this particular transfer window than even Daniel Levy could have expected because he was preaching to Josie Mourinho, as Duncan reported to you before the window opened, that, yes, we will recruit players, but you have to move players out and it will be freedom of contract or low-value transfers. And lo and behold, here we are, uh, they have recruited one of the world's most expensive uh, transfers in Gareth Bale. Not obviously, they haven't paid the fee for him, he's on loan from Real Madrid, but also Sergio Rillon as well from Madrid. And, um, and are still in the market, Duncan. And, and it seems that, uh, how do you read this? I, I see it as maybe a, not just a softening of Daniels Levy's um, approach, but almost as well, a sort of almost a tactical move on his part, because he recognises that we're being um, left behind by the recruitment at Liverpool and Chelsea and Manchester City. And if we don't actually invest in quality, then it could be a very bad season, which means a very bad return for Tottenham and their owner. I think I'll read it once the deals are done, once the window is over. So what you see is Tottenham trying to sign Milan Skriniar from Internazionale. Um, that is a player that Jose Mourinho wants. It's a position that he wants to improve in and upgrade in at centre-back. Um, he is a proper talent in that position uh, and a player who has been monitored and pursued by you know, several clubs in England for some time now. And 
the timing is right in that um, Antonio Conte is prepared to sacrifice Skriniar. He doesn't think he works in a back three of his preferred um, uh, formation that he's using at Inter. And he's even promoted a young 21-year-old uh, um, Alessandro Bastoni ahead of Skriniar recently. So he has a, a replacement already in his squad and they will probably take another player um, possibly from uh, another Serie A club should they sell Skriniar. Um, but there's the, also the potential that they could take a Tottenham player with um, Toby Alderweireld being offered um, to enter in part exchange for um, Skriniar. Um, I, I think Tottenham can also offer one fight there, a um, player who has not established himself in the first team at Tottenham. Um, and obviously that would reduce the transfer fee. So they're doing this at a time where Skriniar is available. Um, because of Conte's position on selecting the squad and building his team. Inter are asking 60 million euros. Um, information I have is that they would be content with 50 million euros. So the price is there. The deal is doable, probably at 50 million euros for 25-year-old, essentially a ready-made product who, who should, you should be able to slot straight into the defence and improve it. So that's why I say let's see if Levy goes through with the deal um, and completes the deal and provides Mourinho with what he wants or whether it ends up as well we tried the price was too high the figures coming from Tottenham's end as a as a realistic fee seem to be around the 40 million euro mark um, and then they step away from it at the, at the end. And as part of this uh, summer of wheeling and dealing with regards to clubs being uh, obviously affected by the financial effects of the COVID pandemic. Uh, it's also uh, our understanding here at the transfer window that a second instalment on the uh, Christian Eriksen transfer from Tottenham to Inter Milan is due to be paid on uh, uh, the 30th of September, which coincidentally would mean that the first instalment on any deal for Skriniar could actually be written off if the clubs simply agree that, well, clearly there's a transaction here which is the same. So uh, Skriniar's um, transfer fee would not appear on Tottenham's books until next summer and not this summer, which partly explains why Tottenham can potentially afford to do this because there'll be a new financial year and obviously a budget uh, will then be, have been amended with regards to players. So Jose Mourinho seems to be much happier uh, with the recruits that uh, he is getting at his disposal and also, of course, at the fact that uh, the club are spending and investing in his vision. Another club who are investing in the vision of their manager is uh, the Inter Milan, who obviously we've been speaking about with regards to Skriniar, and uh, Antonio Conte, who came very close, Duncan, to... Uh, throwing his toys, well, I'm sure he did throw his toys at the pram. It's just that the Inter board then threw them back into the pram at him. Um, and he has made a very, very bold statement, um, which is in keeping with his personality, we have to say, regarding um, what might just happen should he get his number one target from the Premier League before the window closes. 
Yeah, he's already managed to convince Inter's board, who, as you say, not particularly impressed with his first season at the club and his behaviour towards the end of it, to get him Arturo Vidal from Barcelona. Um, we told you he'd been trying to get N'Golo Kante as well, who Chelsea are open to selling. And uh, my information is that he's told Inter's board that if they bring him Kante, um, he will win them Serie A this season. So he is putting his his uh, balls on the line um, and promising them exactly what they want in terms of ending Juventus's long domination of the Italian league and pushing them to take the money from a Skriniar sale, which obviously Tottenham uh, are giving them at least a, a reasonable percentage of what Inter have asked for that player um, and, put, and put it uh, on offer to them and reinvest it in another older but established talent who Conte has worked with before, who he's had great success with before, who will fit into the system he wants to play at Inter. Um, and, uh, and saying, bring, bring me my man and, uh, and I will bring you your Italian title. You do have to admire a man whose cojones um, guarantees titles, uh, although I doubt the Inter board are rushing out to uh, the bookies to put the money on it somehow. But we'll wait and see. We're going to give you a quick update on uh, two other uh, ongoing uh, matters in the transfer window uh, because uh, one concerns, of course, the potential departure of N'Golo Conte from Chelsea, and that is the future of midfielder Jorginho. Jorginho has been heavily linked with Arsenal in the last two to three days. Uh, Conte, as we told you on the podcast last uh, week and indeed again on Tuesday, would prefer to stay in England. Um, however, uh, I don't think he would necessarily not be open to that move that Duncan has reported with his old boss, Antonio Conte, in Milan. So Jorginho, uh, if Conte leaves, is more likely to stay than go, because clearly that's a position that Frank Lampard needs to augment rather than to sell from, um, especially given that he, they've kind of yet to complete his defensive uh, plans in, with regard to recruitment. Um, and of course, the other is uh, they completed the signing of Edouard Mendy from Rennes this week. And Mendy will uh, be very, very much up against on a level playing field, we're told, with Kepa Aritha Balaga in terms of that number one jersey. However, it's also the case that Chelsea would be willing to let Aritha Balaga go out on loan. Um, there is some interest from La Liga. But given the situation is developing all the time, there's no concrete offers at this moment in time. Chelsea do not, do not expect a bid to buy the player that would satisfy the um, getting uh, some of their £72 million investment back. Uh, enough of that, I should say. So let him go on loan, prove himself, uh, regain his form, a uh, fresh start would be there most likely and most probable uh, mode of action with regards to, for, as far as they're concerned, hoping to get back uh, the majority of the money that they invested in Aritha Balaga in the first place. Um, just a bit to add on Kepa, Chelsea have got themselves in a difficult position here because talking to people about the goalkeeping market, there isn't a great 
market for goalkeepers in this window for top clubs. Um, so it's difficult for Chelsea, certainly to sell Kepa. It would be regardless to get to make any kind of reasonable return on that 80 million euro world record transfer fee they paid for him a few years back, but also to, to find a, a home for him. Um, I think Manchester United have got a, a, and also another difficult situation there because they now find themselves because of the situation with David De Gea and Dean Henderson with three extremely highly paid goalkeepers on their books um, and Sergio Romero saying, where am I going to get some playing time? You brought Henderson back and said you can fight out for the, 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 the number one shirt with De Gea, De Gea who they've already given the biggest contract in the Premier League to uh, to retain him at the club. Henderson got a huge pay rise to sign a contract extension and come back. Um, effectively, they need to dump one of those goalkeepers and they need to find a home for Romero quickly. And they have quite a lot of players that they have to move out at present, particularly in the defensive positions. You've got Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, Marcus Rojo. Um, players who need to be moved out who don't really have much potential to play a great deal of football and in positions where ideally Solskjaer would like to, to strengthen on top of that uh, priority right wing signing. Well, it's going to be an interesting weekend for goalkeepers, Duncan. Um, Mendy's arrival at Chelsea, Henderson putting pressure on De Gea, De Gea obviously not covering himself in glory against Crystal Palace. I think Jordan Pickford's probably the most um, fortunate of the three in that um, I don't think there's much in terms of putting pressure on him behind him at Everton, but clearly a, another um, very, very silly error in the Carabao Cup, albeit obviously Everton won. Um, I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to say I think Henderson may start against Brighton Hove Albion at the Amex Stadium tomorrow. Would you agree? Well, wait and see if uh, Solskjaer makes that decision. It would be early on in this, this uh, competition between the two to put Henderson in goal. Um, but it would adhere to the promise to Henderson that if you play better, if you train better than De Gea, you go and go. Perhaps the solution for Everton would be to go for Sergio Romero to put pressure on Pickford. Do you get paid for those skelfs in your backside? <laughs> <laughs> skelfs, of course, is a Scottish word for shards of wood from sitting on the fence, people. For those of you who are not familiar with that particular phrase. It's the final pod of the week. And of course, we award the donkey. And they don't come much better in terms of gift horses than this. Because this one is a veritable pedigree racehorse absolutely galloping towards us and his name is Abu Fani, a Maccabi Haifa player who played in this week's Europa League qualifiers and scored the winning goal against FC Rostov in Russia. Uh, in doing so, he then was recorded on one of his teammates' phones in the dressing room afterwards. Please just search it on social media. It's hilarious. His name is Abu Fani. Okay, that's I don't need to say it anymore. Now, in order not to offend any of our younger listeners, I'm going to paraphrase what Abu said because they will now play Tottenham Hotspur 
in the final qualifier to get to the group stage next week. He said, and remember the um, emblem and of uh, Tottenham Hotspur here, please bear that in mind. He said, hurricane on my cockerel. <laughs> he said, as he grabbed a part of his body, which kind of relates to cockerel, uh, and effectively, uh, he, he uh, trolled Harry Kane in that. Now, we're going to award the Abu Fani donkey, it's even got alliteration, Duncan, you couldn't make this up, could you? Um, for the most ill-advised celebration in football. I feel we have to go back to this because there are so many contenders, but for the moment, I'm going to open the golden envelope. Oh, that was quite an easy one this week. There we go. The golden envelope is open for our three nominations, Duncan. The first one goes to um, one of the most colourful characters in English football, someone who gave us huge amounts of entertainment, both for his skill, but also for his um, rather, let's just say, oh, eccentric character, Emmanuel Adebayor, who received so much grief, so much grief, when he transferred from Arsenal to Manchester City, that having scored against his former club, he ran all the way, full length of the pitch. I've just checked, Duncan, by the way, it was 92 metres. Uh, he ran to celebrate in front of the Arsenal fans. Um, Ill-advised? Here at the transfer window, we think so. Then there is Luis Suarez, a man also not um, unfamiliar with her uh, controversial celebration. Although this one, you have to say, uh, was definitely one of his most funny. And that was um, having been called out by the then Everton manager, David Moyes. This was in 2012. Uh, for, I don't think Moyes was even as subtle as saying he goes down too easily. I think he just said he's a diver. Um, when scoring a goal for Liverpool against uh, their city rivals, ran again half the length of the pitch and dived in a very, very uh, dramatic way in front of the Everton bench. Fair play to Moyes. He said, I thought it was great. Uh, and then last, but certainly by no means least, uh, the... Hardman of Scottish football, Graham Souness. I don't come much more brave than Suey. And when he was manager of Galatasaray, some of you will remember. If any of you don't, again, please search it on social media. After beating local rivals Fenerbahce in the derby, and having been to these derbies in Istanbul, I can tell you they are fierce. He planted the flag in the middle of Fener's pitch. Duncan, I think we've got some great contenders there for the most ill-advised celebration. Uh, please let us know your thoughts. Yeah, just, just to add to that um, Mohammed Abufani uh, description, he started off his uh, celebratory dance with the, the line, England, you son of a bitches. Um, posted that on his Instagram. Had to remove it at a later stage um, after the, uh, it went down quite badly with, with some people in Israel. And, and then posted an apology on his Instagram page saying, not one of my successful jokes. We will keep our sense of humor and mostly remain humble moving forward. So um, going to be interesting to see how Abu Fani and, and Harry Kane get on in that Europa League. They'll be, they'll be swapping shorts, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, who wins the award? Uh, Emmanuel Adebayor. I was actually at that game. I covered that game. Um, and yes, it didn't go down particularly well with the Arsenal fans, but it was very amusing. I think Sky did the measurement of how how uh, long he ran up the field, didn't they? It was like a, a graphic to demonstrate the, the, the longest run that Emmanuel Adebayor made in a Manchester City shirt in his entire career, probably. I think it was longer than the entire season. That's that one run. <laughs> Luis Suarez, a particular favourite of mine, um, someone I interviewed while he was at Ajax and uh, a really great character and someone who is an outright winner. Um, I'm not surprised he responded to David Moyes in that fashion. And I think Barcelona made a big mistake in letting him join Atletico. And uh, that was something that will come back to, uh, to haunt them this season particularly in combination with um, Diego Costa and Diego Simeone. But I think the winner here has to be Graham Souness for the sheer insanity of, of what he did in the <laughs> stadium. I haven't had the, the pleasure of, of watching a derby in Turkey, but I have been to what was a, a relatively minor European tie at Fenerbahce's stadium. It wasn't even full, but the noise and the atmosphere in that place and the intensity which, with which the crowd um, went after their own team, went after the referee, went after the opposition team, was just brilliant. So I think only someone like Sunis would think it was a good idea to go and plant a flag in the middle of their stadium after victory. Anyone who's seen Graham Sunis's tackle uh, when he played for Scotland against a Romanian opponent, where he effectively played the ball to himself in the air, uh, and used that as a reason to tackle his opponent. Uh, it has to be said, somewhere above the thigh, uh, we'll know that Grimson is not a man who is scared of planting a flag. That is just stuff he does before breakfast. So uh, there we have it. Grimson is the winner of this week's donkey. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Please continue the debate, as you know we like you to do. Uh, we are on um, all the normal uh, podcast platforms, as you know, as well as our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube and search uh, at Transfer Window Podcast and you'll find us very easily indeed. Uh, our social media platforms, of course, where you can access and continue the debate, as I said, with us are at Transfer Podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Duncan's personal is on Duncan at Duncan Castles on Twitter. I'm at GarvoSJ on Twitter. And uh, as I said, uh, please get in touch. If you like what you've heard, then please uh, do give something back because you are getting this uh, for free. And we love the fact that, that we're able to do that. And log on to iTunes, give us a five-star review. The community increases. We get more debate, more laughs, more entertainment, and more information. So bear that in mind, please. Thank you. Uh, we will be back next week with the Transfer Window podcast. We'll be getting into the final few days of the window, so things will be heating up. And, of course, you'll get the news first here. Until then, it leaves me only to say, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.